open up your Bible with me. This morning we're looking at Mark chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 45. We're going to finish out Mark 6 this morning as we are working our way through this gospel. Sermon titled, Walking by Faith. On July 21st, 1969, one of the most famous walks in human history took place. I'm referring to the first walk on the moon. Neil Armstrong uttered those famous words, One small step for man, what's the rest? One giant leap for mankind. Amen. There are still to this day, though, many that doubt that this walk ever took place. And in a lot of ways reminds me of a, another very famous walk, a more miraculous walk, according to the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and John, record for us the fact that Jesus himself walked across the water. And that's what we're looking at this morning, and we want to consider what is the purpose of this miracle, because I do believe that every miracle that Jesus ever performed, there was a purpose behind it. And I believe what we see this morning is the fact that Jesus walked on the water to his disciples there in the boat. It helps us to see that in the struggles of life, we can recognize the presence of God in Christ. That when we are facing difficulties and hardships, we need to open our eyes and recognize exactly who Jesus is. He is God who has come to us to comfort us and to strengthen us. I want to invite you, if you're able this morning, stand with me, please. As I read from Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Mark writes these following words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. And he intended to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them, and he said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped. They were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves but their heart was hardened. Let's pray together. Father, we have come this morning and opening up this word before us. Father, with the conviction that this is your word. Father, as you have spoken, this word is an extension of your authority. This word is an extension of your character. Father, as you are true and trustworthy, so is your word. And Father, we stand upon the inerrant, infallible Word of God, knowing, Lord, that you have spoken, and you have revealed yourself to us as a God of grace, a God of mercy, and a God of compassion, a God who has come to us in our deepest time of need. You have come to us, telling us not to be afraid and have faith. Father, empower us this morning by your word. If there is someone 
here this morning that has not trusted in Christ, has no idea what we are talking about in this, I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts loud and clear, God. The gospel message, Father, would penetrate their hearts. They might understand their need for salvation and that Jesus is the only way. Father, we have come with expectation. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we think about this subject of walking by faith. We as believers have what we refer to as a Christian walk. This is a, a way of life that we hope and pray is pleasing to our Lord and our Master. And there are difficulties at times in life that confront us and, and make it a challenge to to live this Christian life and to walk this walk by faith. There are hindrances that come our way and there are difficulties even when we are on mission for the Lord. We keep in mind the context of what's taking place here in chapter 6. Jesus had sent his disciples out on mission and they had returned to him and they were relating to him all that had taken place through their ministry and their proclamation they had been involved in spreading the gospel with him and for him. They had witnessed the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And now we see yet another experience that they have that I pray might help us in our Christian walk. If we are going to be faithful in this walk, there are a few things we must do, and I think this passage shares this with us. First of all, you must renew your focus. It's important to stay on the right track spiritually, and from time to time, you must renew your focus. We see in verse 45, first of all, in our story today, the disciples are dispatched. It says, immediately, right after the 5,000 were fed, they collected the baskets, everyone was full. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him. Literally, he compelled them to go. It's as if he forced them maybe to do something they weren't willing to do. Perhaps they were thinking, we've got this great crowd. They've been fed. Jesus is doing mighty things. We need to stay here for a while. And Jesus says, no, you need to be dispatched. There's no time to wallow in success. There is work to do. We celebrate the victories, but we don't stay there. He compels us to move on as he did his disciples. He compelled them, he made them to leave and go ahead of him in the boats while he himself was sending the crowd away. So it shows us the crowds are dispersed. They had been gathered there for the purpose of seeing Jesus and of of witnessing Jesus do mighty things. And Jesus taught them, first of all. He taught them kingdom truth. And then to validate the message, he performed the miracle and he fed the 5,000 to prove to them that he could satisfy their greatest needs. Now whether or not they truly understood the miracle as such, we don't know. But what we do know from reading John's account of this, that once they were fed, they said, well, we like being fed. <laughs> this man fed us. Let's make him king. 
And in the ministry of Jesus, it was not yet time for him to be inaugurated as king. The cross had not happened. The resurrection had not happened. The ascension to the right hand of the Father had not happened. It was not yet time for him to reign on earth. So therefore, he dispersed the crowds because he knew it was not the Father's will for that to happen right then and there. So it shows us we need to be in tune with God and, and follow His leadership, even when it might not necessarily look like it's the right way to go. When the Father says, dispatch the crowds, disperse the crowds, we disperse the crowds. Then in verse 46, we see that the Lord Himself is disciplined. He is, he is disciplined. He is focused. As we need to renew our focus, we look to Jesus as our example. We believe that he is cautious in this scenario, perhaps to avoid another temptation in the desert, maybe. As the crowds wanted to make him king and, and wanted to shortcut his, his road from being the Messiah to glory and, and to leave out the suffering of the cross, perhaps yet again the devil had come to him and was tempting him, if you really are the Son of God, and you really can meet these people's needs, why go to the cross? And so, in order to avoid this temptation, we see Jesus in prayer, verse 46, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Jesus felt the need to be alone. Jesus felt the desire to be by himself and be with his Father in prayer. I believe Jesus understood to stay focused spiritually he needed to commune with his Father. To be empowered to do the things that Jesus did, he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that involved time in prayer. And if Jesus himself felt this need, and if Jesus himself had this intention, why would we think any different of ourselves? You and I must spend time alone with God in prayer. To stay focused, to stay empowered, to stay on mission, to be faithful. We must be like our Lord. Be disciplined to do the things that will fill us with the spirits. Be disciplined to do the things that will enable God to work in and through us. You know, it takes great discipline to be in shape, doesn't it? doesn't come accidentally just wake up one morning, well, look at that, I'm in shape. Isn't this great? Wouldn't that be nice to be able to just wake up one morning and all of a sudden I mean, you're just perfectly in shape? It doesn't happen haphazardly. It doesn't happen by accident and just by going through the motion. No, it takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes doing small things in order to see long-term results. If it, if it works that way physically, why do we think that there are shortcuts spiritually? Why don't we put the effort into growing our faith like Jesus did, spending time alone with God, spending time in His Word, spending time with other Christians, spending time in fellowship, surrounding ourselves with support and encouragement and those who will, who will challenge us to stay faithful. Be disciplined. 
If our focus is going to be right, we're going to have to do the small things in order to do the greater things that God would have for us to do. Renew your focus. But also, you've got to resist your fears. If you're going to walk by faith and do what pleases the Lord, you need to resist your fears. There are many things that could come along and threaten your spiritual walk. We see this in our text. First of all, we can be bothered by physical hindrances. There are physical hindrances that can come our way just like Jesus and the disciples here. We find the disciples, they are separated from Jesus. He's not in the boat with them at this point in time. He's on the mountain in prayer and they are at sea and they are rowing. And verse 47 says, When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Verse 48, seeing them straining at the oars. Now they were a great distance away on the sea and it was night. It was the fourth watch of the night so it was sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. He saw them straining. Was it because he was on the mountain or was this a, a supernatural vision through prayer? We don't know, but whatever the case was, Jesus noticed their hindrance. And they were in the middle of the sea. And why were they in the middle of the sea in the first place? Because Jesus told them to go. They were in the situation they were facing, not because they were outside the will of God, but because they were obedient, they were facing these physical hindrances. Sometimes situations beyond our control come our way and we might be trying to walk by faith and trying to be a faithful servant of the Lord and physical hindrances come. The question is, are we going to be afraid of the physical circumstance or are we going to stay focused? The disciples had a mission to do. They were to cross the lake seeing them straining at the oars, literally being harassed in rowing. This was intense rowing going on. Fourth watch of the night, they had been doing this for hours and getting nowhere. And Jesus saw them straining. And it says in verse 48, He came to them. As they were straining, he came to them. As they were being harassed by the wind that was against them, it was contrary to them, he came to them, walking on the sea. Now some have tried to say, well, maybe he was walking around the sea and it looked like from their point of view he was on the water or maybe he was walking in shallow water or maybe there was one of those sandbars in the middle he was walking on but the same word that was used for him being on the land in verse 47 the same phrase used in verse 48 he was walking on the sea it was clear that this was a miracle according to Mark a miracle was taking place. And when they were straining, the Lord noticed and the Lord miraculously came to them walking on the sea. Jesus indeed walked on the water. 
Verse 48 says that he intended to pass by them. And some say, well, that's kind of cruel. Why would Jesus just keep on going? <laughs> but I think the way we need to interpret this is he intended to pass by them so that they might see his presence. He hadn't abandoned them. They weren't alone. Even though the, the physical hardship was real and intense, he passed by in front of them so they might see our Lord is with us. He intended to pass by so that they might notice His glory and His grace. We can be bothered by physical hindrances and we also can be bound by emotional hopelessness. Emotional hopelessness. We might be seized with fear and dread and think it's all over for me. Look what happened to them in verse 49. As he intended to pass by them, and he, he walked in front of them, instead of their reaction being, look, it's the Lord. He's come to us. There's hope. They saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it was a ghost, literally a phantom. And they cried out, and they all saw him, and they were terrified. They thought all was lost. They thought Jesus had abandoned them. Now we've got this, this ghost coming at us and we're all alone. And fear and terror seize them. And that can happen to us sometimes. They felt unsafe in that boat in the middle of the lake. They felt like sheep whose shepherd had forsaken them. But it's interesting to know this whole time they, they never saw Jesus until he was right there upon them. But he saw them the whole time. Underneath his watch care and his watchful eye as his disciples rode and they struggled he saw them. There's no need to feel abandoned by the Lord. Even when we can't see him he sees us. And just when we need Him most, Jesus is near to comfort and cheer. As they cried out in terror, He spoke to them, and through His Word, He said, Take courage, commanded. It is I. I'll come back to that in a minute. Do not be afraid. Literally, stop being scared stop feeling fear stop thinking it's hopeless I'm here be of good courage in those moments when we are bound in emotional hopelessness we need to understand it is God himself who comes to us even walking on the water if need be he comes to us and when Jesus said it is I Literally in the Greek, it was ego, a me, I am. Jesus said, take courage, stop being afraid, I am. The same name that the Lord used for himself in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. God asked Moses, what is, what is your name that I might tell the people? He says, tell them I am. And here's Jesus coming to his people in an hour of, of despair and hopelessness and he is saying, Jesus, 
I am. The Lord Himself. God had come to the aid of His people there on that boat. God Himself. Through His Word, He reassures us of His intentions. And He reveals His identity through His spoken Word. Through His written Word. The same Word is available to us as we struggle. Not only can we be bothered by physical hindrances and bound by emotional hopelessness, we can be blinded by spiritual hardness if we're not careful. We can completely miss what God is saying to us and what God is doing in our lives. Verse 51, it says, Then he got into the boat with them. The Son of God had finally come on board with them. And when he did, the wind stopped. When you got Jesus in the boat, there's no need to be afraid. When you got the master of the sea himself as captain of the ship, no reason to keep on being scared. God himself had gotten to that boat with them. In the Old Testament, we, we read in the book of Job that God himself has, has tread upon the waves of the sea. Here Jesus literally does this and says, I am. And got into their boats. And they were astonished. Why? Because God is with us. Emmanuel. No. They were utterly astonished, verse 52, because they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. In other words, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000 in the desert, just like God did to Israel in the book of Exodus with the manna, Jesus himself came to them and said, I am the bread of life. And he satisfied their need. Instead of seeing that and, and interpreting that miracle of saying, God has visited us in Christ, they had completely missed the boat. <laughs> Pun intended. They had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. Their heart was hardened. They, they saw and the events happened and God blessed them and they were, they were followers of His but they had, it had completely gone over their head because they were spiritually blind to what God Himself was doing in their midst. Their fear had robbed them of their focus. Fear. Fear can be a good thing sometimes. We talked about that in our Sunday school this morning. We are to fear those in authority over us, respect them, or face the consequences. Fear can be used as a, as a motivator sometimes. Yesterday we were at Landmark playing the basketball game and, and Jaden went to the bathroom and, and crawled underneath a locked bathroom stall. And Nancy said, I could either have crawled on that floor underneath there after him, but she hollered in there and said, Jaden, there's a monster in there. <laughs> and said he came scurrying out underneath that. So fear can be a, a proper motivator sometimes, but sometimes, if we're not careful, fear can paralyze us and blind us to the truth. Take courage. Stop being afraid. Jesus says, I am. 
You must resist your fears to walk by faith. And finally, you need to understand He will reward your faith. This next scene uh, intensely contrasts with what we just saw. He will reward your faith when you walk by faith. First of all, you've got to trust in Jesus to help you. The disciples lacked this trust in Jesus to help them. They thought they were all on their own. He told them to do something, and then he had abandoned them, and now they were suffering, and where was Jesus? They didn't trust him to help. But yet, in this scene, we see others that did. Verse 53 and following, when they had crossed over the land, they came to Gennesaret. And some say, wait a minute, I thought they were going to Bethsaida. Perhaps the winds had driven them off course. Maybe they were going in the direction of Bethsaida, and that's where they landed. We don't know. There's explanation for that. They moored to the shore, and when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. There was a surprise visitation from Jesus himself. The people recognized him. The disciples, in their surprise visitation, they failed to recognize him. They were too scared to really understand this is God with us. The people immediately, they recognized him. They ran about the whole country, began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place where they heard that he was. So they had enough faith to know there's this fellow named Jesus and he can help me. There's this fellow named Jesus and, and he, might, he might take care of my afflictions. There's this fellow named Jesus, and I need to do everything I possibly can to get those I love to come into contact with Jesus. You see, if we realize we've got a problem, we need to also realize Jesus can and will help. We realize we've got a sin sickness, a, a sin affliction. And if we can just come into contact with Jesus, He can take care of that for us. Have faith. Trust in Jesus to help you. Trust in Jesus to hear you. Verse 56. Wherever He entered the villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring Him, continually begging Him, imploring Him that they might touch the fringe of His cloak. Reminds us of chapter 5, doesn't it? There was a lot of imploring going on in chapter 5. People asking Jesus to do things. And by faith, when they came in contact with Jesus, miracles took place. And here they're imploring Jesus, Jesus, do something, please. And Jesus hears the request. Jesus responds to the request. And when we implore of the Lord, He hears us. And we've got to trust in that. If we're going to walk by faith in this world, we need to trust that Jesus will help us. We need to trust that Jesus will hear us. We need to pray. We need to pray with faith, knowing the Lord hears. And we need to continually implore not just ask and walk away. We've got to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking by faith. They were imploring him, Jesus, Jesus, help us. And he did. And he will.
come to Him by faith. Verse 56 also shows us we need to trust in Jesus to heal us. Trust in Jesus to heal you. Verse 56, it says, They were imploring Him they might touch the fringe of His cloak. As many as touched it were being cured. And, and this is not just magic hocus-pocus sorcery going on. It was faith. As Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood back in chapter 5, Your faith has healed you. Not touching my garment, but faith. When you combine faith with Jesus, miracles happen. And it says, when they touched the hem of his garments, they were being cured. Literally, they were being saved. And so we can kind of put these pieces together. We know that we've got a sin sickness, and we can't do nothing about it. But I've heard that there is this fellow named Jesus and he can help me. And I trust that he can. So much so, I'm going to ask him, Lord, please make me well. And I'm going to implore of him and I'm going to trust that he will hear my prayer. And then I'm going to trust that he will heal me that literally He will save me when I come to Him in faith. The disciples had Jesus. They had God in the boat. They failed to recognize the grace of His visitation. And here these other folks had contact with Jesus. There was no fear. There was just faith. And Mark is saying exactly we have come full circle in these last few chapters, have we not? Go back to chapter 4. There was a storm at sea. They woke Jesus up and said, Don't you care? We're perishing. And Jesus told the storm, Hush, be still. And he looked at them and said, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's faith versus fear. And then they said, Who is this man? And then for the next few chapters, we see miracle after miracle. Jesus casting out demons. Jesus healing a sick woman. Jesus raising a little girl from the dead. Jesus feeding 5,000. In every one of these instances, we see these common themes coming up. Miracles, understanding and faith instead of fear. And Mark has been answering for us in these chapters, who is this? You know, we call that in theology the, the study of Christology. Who is Christ? It's that question of Christology that drove me into the ministry. As I was working on one of my uh, jobs earlier in life, there was a, a co-worker I had, and she was a Jehovah's Witness. And she gave me some of her material and said, you know, take this home and read it. And I took it home and, and read it, and the material said, there's no such thing as a trinity. Jesus is not God. And I'd been raised in church, and I'd heard long enough the teaching that, yes, Jesus is God. And for the first time, I began to ask myself, who is Jesus? Is he, is he God or is he some kind of 
higher angel that God created? Who, who is Jesus? And I got into the Word and began to study the Scriptures. And in studying in that Scriptures, God put a fire in my heart to study and teach the truth. Jesus is God. And we see the deity of Christ all throughout chapter 6 here. He abundantly fed His people in the desert like God did Israel in the book of Exodus. We see Jesus on the mountain as God was on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. We see Jesus passing before the disciples as God passed before Moses and as God passed before Elijah in the book of 1 Kings. We see Jesus trampling upon the waves as God himself was said to do in the book of Job. And we hear from the lips of Jesus himself, I am. I am. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is Christ, the great I am. And so what that tells us is that God loves us enough to send himself to us. God didn't send some created being and say, hey, take care of this mess for me. I don't want to soil my hands. No. God Himself came, put on flesh, dwelt among us, was nailed to a cross, suffered and died in anguish so that God Himself might redeem a people for Himself. God saw you struggling at the oars of sin because the wind of the law was contrary to you. And God Himself came to you in Christ. And God Himself said to you, Don't be afraid. Have faith. I can heal you. I hear your prayers. Trust in Me. And so the final thing we need to see in this is that you can find your confidence in His presence. God loves you so much that God came to you 2,000 years ago and died on the cross for your sins. God loves you so much that God comes to you now in your difficulties, pain, and suffering. In the struggles of life, and in the struggles of ministry, as you are doing the Lord's will, struggles will come. And in the struggles of life and ministry, open your eyes by faith and recognize the gracious presence of God Himself in Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, we are moved by Your Word today. God, as You have revealed Yourself to us through the walking of Jesus Christ on the water, through the, the feeding of the 5,000, through the healing of those who had faith, You have shown us 
Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey Him. Who is this who has the authority over the devil? Who is this who can raise the dead? Who is this who can satisfy my longings? Who is this who comes to me when I am struggling? It is Jesus Christ. God Himself. Our Savior and Lord. Oh, Father... We are in awe of you this morning. Without you, we are like that ship at the sea, going nowhere fast, exerting so much effort, trying so hard to be better. We just can't do it. We can't arrive at the destination that you are sending us until you come and get in the ship and you put yourself in our hearts and just when we need you most you have come and you have saved us and you equip us and you comfort us and you motivate us and you move us forward Father it all begins that Christian walk with that first step of faith trusting in Jesus Christ to be a person's personal Lord and Savior if there's someone here today that has not done that, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. To turn from sin. Turn to the Lord. Father, there's someone here today, perhaps, that you are dealing with that has not been walking by faith as they need to be. You have come to visit them this morning and you have spoken by your word and you have said, I am. Stop being afraid. Lord, maybe somebody here that you are sending to the next phase of their ministry, of their mission. Maybe you're sending someone here to join the fellowship of this church, perhaps through baptism or moving of a membership. Father, maybe you're calling someone to the ministry this morning to preach your word, stand upon the authoritative and errant word of God or to take the gospel to our neighbors and our nations through missions. Maybe someone you're calling vocational missions this morning. Lord, all I know is that you're here. All I know is that you are speaking. All I know is that you are stirring hearts. Our response is up to us. Father, have your own way during this invitation hymn. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We ask you to stand.